good morning. I hope you're having a wonderful Columbus Day weekend. Of course, I'm going to take this opportunity to get out of town. You know, Miss Alzan and I just love to travel. That's one of our favorite things we do. And we generally get to travel around holidays because that's when ANCO's close. We're going to have a three-day weekend, so we're going to take that opportunity to take off. But I'm not going to leave you in the lurch. I dug down deep into the top-secret Automotive Hour archives. Pulled up a show from way back this time of year in 2004. So that's actually eight years ago. Of course, the Automotive Hour has been on the air now for 21 years. And for many of those early years, Harvey Wilson and I did the show together as host and co-host. Harvey retired several years ago, but we've got him right here on tape. Caught him in the act, so to speak. Now, you won't be able to call in because it's a carded show. However, you can always reach me by going to the website. That's www.agcoauto.com. Of course, that's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Stands for Altazan's Garage Company. Just pop on there, hit the contact button, and you can send an email to me. I don't ever mind that, and that'll get right to me. I'll always get an answer back to you within 24 hours, sometimes a whole lot faster. But you got to remember when I'm on vacation, you got to cut me just a little bit of slack, maybe a little bit longer. But it'll still be pretty darn quick. Hey, I got a great show lined up for you. I hope you really enjoy it. Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan with Harvey Wilson. Hey, if you have an automotive problem, question, or comment, you just give us a call. I'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. Try to give you some advice as best we can. Yes, sir. That is correct. We will do that. <laughs> is that all you've got to say about it? No. No. <laughs> I'd like to welcome to this world Meredith Lee Wilson. There you go. An born yesterday. Another Wilson. Another Wilson. My second granddaughter. My oldest son's first daughter. First yeah. child. Well, you still one behind there, buddy, because I got mm -hmm. three. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Man, one of mine's fairly new. Yeah, they had, what, about two months? We had Warren on a new off of her yet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, we got some phone lines lit up here. Let's talk to Mike. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Yes, sir. My wife has a 2000 Civic. Okay. Never had any problems, but she was rear-ended, did a little damage, and had it fixed. They checked everything out. And now, when she hits her brakes, uh -huh. front end shimmies. Okay. We've had the front end aligned, replaced the tires. And they tell us nothing's wrong with it. But every time you lightly touch the brakes, mm -hmm. the front end shimmy. Okay. You want to know what's causing that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the front brake rotors of warp. Okay. See, anytime you got a problem, Mike, where when you hit the brakes, it does it, don't waste your money aligning the front end and buying tires and all that stuff because those are on there all the time, whether you're braking yeah. or not. That's a warpage in the front brake rotors. Now, there is one and only one way to fix that problem. Uh, that is replace. to replace the rotors. Yeah. yeah, do not let anybody tell you they can turn those rotors because they cannot do it. You can't turn a warp out of a rotor. Yeah. It was my first impression. It was probably bent from where she hit the brakes when they nah, hit it. Yeah, I doubt it. They just do that. The number one cause of doing that is somebody did a brake job on the car and put aftermarket brake pads on it. Yeah. And it doesn't do it right away, but... Several months later, the rotors are going to warp because the pads not taking enough heat out of the rotor. Well, great. That's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you get them $69 brake jobs that end up costing $400 to fix them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The only way to fix this, Mike, is we do this all day long. I mean, I take new brake pads off, throw them in the garbage, take the rotors off, throw them in the garbage, go get the right stuff and put on there and fix it. Yeah. But the only way to fix this thing is to put the right pads back on there, which is the Honda pad, replace the rotors. Don't try to turn them because you're wasting your money. Make yeah. sure the rear brakes are working 100% because if they're out of adjustment or anything like that, it's going to overload the front brakes and cause them yeah. to warp again. Uh, and then a thorough flush of the system before you even start doing anything else. Very, very critical on those cars because what happens, all the trash in your system ends up in the calipers. You go in there and smash them little pistons back in, where you back flush all that trash back into your system. And next well, thing you know, you get a check in, I mean, an ABS light on. 
This so. is above my head anyway. So <laughs> Give me a call Monday morning. We'll take care of that. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. All right, Mike. Thank you, Bye-bye. man. Bye-bye. Alright, 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. Just give us a call. We'll be glad to try to help you out. You know, that's just a such a common, common problem. And I know the desire to try to save money is out there. I mean, mm-hmm. I want to save money. Everybody wants to save money. What's important is that you get the overall lowest cost. Right. Not necessarily the lowest price. Because you go get one of these $59 brake jobs, which screws up $200 rotors, and it costs you three dollars to $400 to fix Mm-hmm. If you just went ahead and done it right the first time, maybe it cost you $120 to fix it right the first time, you'd have saved the 300 bucks plus all the aggravation. Right. And, I mean, there is just not a day that does go by. And, and you see it in your business. I know in everybody else, if you go on the Internet and get in some of these chat rooms with automotive shops, that's pretty much all they're talking about. Mm-hmm. you just got so many people out there now that I'm not saying they shouldn't be in the business, but my opinion, they shouldn't be in the business. <laughs> you know, the only thing they've got to offer is a low price. That's mm-hmm. the only way they can bait anybody in there because nobody would go, there, go to them for any other reason. And it would be bad enough, except they screw up the cars. And it costs hundreds and hundreds of dollars to fix this stuff that they screw up. Mm-hmm. And on and on and on it goes. And it's, it's just really, really a, a big, big problem. I guess the thing is, the, the fix would be an education of all the people so you knew what you were actually getting. But that's kind of impractical. For everybody to learn everything about a car, you know, we're so used to in our society, everything being regulated and being, you know, if you go down to the grocery store and you buy a piece of grade A steak, you're not worried about it giving you some disease because it's been inspected and it's been graded and it's been regulated. But the automotive industry is not like that. Totally unregulated. Anybody can do anything. No qualifications, no license. And you just got to be really, really careful where you get stuff done. You know, on that Honda, I was wondering... I know some cars have a ride height sensor in the rear. Since he was in an accident, yeah, yeah. Number one, does his car have one? The all Civic good. doesn't have that. Okay. I would say the odds are extremely good that he's probably got aftermarket brake pads on. I'd have to see the car to be sure, but probably not related to the accident. It just happens to be that's the time it mm-hmm. just happened to occur about the same time. But that's very, very common. Not just on Civics, but on all cars. Particularly if someone's put an aftermarket brake pad on there, doesn't happen immediately. It generally happens three, four, five, six months out. Yeah. When enough heat builds up in that rotor to warp it. And what's worse, a lot of them actually go in there and grind the rotors down. Time to do a brake job, they go and grind the rotors up, mm-hmm. which uh, really just screwing the rotor up. Rotors anymore, you're better off to not do anything with them. Just put them on there. If you're using good pads, that's all you have to do. Or if there's something wrong with the rotor, replace it because you know, you're generally not going to go in there and turn it and fix any kind of problem. You're just going to create more problem. Yeah. Let's go back to our phone lines. We've got Lewis. Good morning, Lewis. Yes, sir. Good morning question i've heard you you know elaborate on antifreezes and that sort of yes, thing sir. had one question only okay. the decks cool when compared to the older more you know common antifreeze we yes, think sir. about yes, does sir. it get mixed half and half when you buy it from the parts store is it half and half or does it go in you know is it fully concentrated well there, it's, it's concentrated for if you're buying decks cool there's many many coolants on the market now well, that do come already mixed. What about the name brand? You won't mention it, but you know what it is, and and they make you've been making antifreeze. Yes, sir, and then they do have a mix. The reason they're going to a mix is because it's hard for some people to get distilled water, good mm-hmm. quality mm-hmm. water, and water is the one of the biggest problems. You know, you go in there and you dump. A good coolant in there and you fill up with city water, you got big problems. Now, what about the Dex Cool? That's the one that yeah. I'm curious Dex about. Dex Cool is a brand name of General Motors. True. Okay, and Texaco actually makes it for GM. And if you're buying the Delco brand Dex Cool, it's going to be Texaco is who makes it for them. But 
they do make it in the non-diluted and the diluted form depending on who you buy it from. If you're buying it from Delco, it's concentrate, and you have to cut it 50-50. Okay. If you buy it from Shell, it is going to be 100%, and you have to cut it 50-50. You just have to read on the label. There's so many people making antifreeze, and they all got their own little things, you know, but it'll say either concentrate or it'll say pre-mixed on the thing. You know, if you don't have the wherewithal to get the, the distilled water and the ability to pre-mix it properly, you, you're sometimes better off to go ahead and buy the pre-mix, even though it's more expensive. Well, some of them just don't say. Now, may I ask you one other question, yes, please? Would you touch an air conditioning system on a 94 General Motors product that had never been touched and possibly add just a little oil and, and maybe have the Freon level checked to, as a preventative maintenance measure? That's a good question, Lewis. I know people who do that, and we do it for people who request it. It's not in any owner's manual. You know, it's not a recommended service that GM recommends. What you can actually do is go in, evacuate the system, clean and dry the Freon with a recycle machine, mm-hmm. Fill it with oil, make sure it's full, and then put it back in. doesn't cost a whole lot to do that, and in my opinion, it would definitely help the system. But like I said, it's not something that you can really push a whole lot because GM has never come out and said, hey, this is something that needs to be done. <laughs> of course, GM's in the business of selling cars, yeah, too. They don't, push, they don't push anything but selling cars. Well, they don't even think you should change all, you know? I mean, what do they got, like 7,000 miles and all changes now? Uh, sometimes I doubt the the quality of their service department. Yeah, too. yeah. Well, like I said, what what their deal is, you got to remember, they're in the business of selling cars, and if you don't maintain them, chances are you're going to buy a lot more cars. So you would think then it needs to be evacuated, dried, and and put back in. And I would say that it certainly doesn't hurt anything to do that. I wouldn't go so far as to say it needs to be done because I've seen you know both ways. My personal car, I would do it just because I've got the wherewithal to do it. It's sort of one of those iffy things, you know. If it's not going to hurt anything. I can tell you, it's going to cost you probably around sixty to seventy dollars somewhere to do it. You just got to kind of weigh it out, you know. Well, and, that's and, cheaper than than fifteen hundred. Well, an evaporator core installed in a GM car is about fifteen hundred bucks, mm-hmm. and a compressor is probably another six or seven hundred bucks. So you can kind of weigh that out. It's one thing that you can do that will help. Uh, you know, there's just very little else you can do. And generally, when we do it, we also clean the condenser and we make sure mm-hmm. the fans are working and all. Just do a general tune-up type, you know, service. Okay. Well, thank you so very yes, sir. much. Here. Thank you, sir. Bye bye. All right, 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would certainly love to have you. And we've got Mike's been patiently holding. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Thanks yes, sir. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Hey, i got a Honda 2000 Civic EX. Okay. Uh-huh. And it's my daughter's, and the brakes are squealing. Okay. So I was going to change the brakes okay. on Okay, uh-huh. But I heard you say not to use the aftermarket brakes. I don't, know. Well, who would I get right Just go to the Honda dealer and buy them. They'll sell them to you, and they're and they're not really more expensive than the aftermarket. I think Honda sells those pads for about it's about forty five dollars a set, so they're not much more expensive than any other brand pad out there, and they're a much better product. Is there anything not special about changing them? I've never done a brake job on a Honda. Yeah, uh, Mike, what you want to do before you start, you need to flush the system out to get all the contaminated fluid out, because what happens is that those pistons will be extended out of the calipers. Now, all the trash in the system will be inside those calipers. So when you go to push them back in, all that trash will get flushed back into your system, which causes damage. So you have to flush the system to put crushed fluid in there before you ever start. Now, the next thing you want to do is when you install those pads, you want to take some hot, soapy water and scrub the rotors. Just get them nice and clean. As long as they're smooth and the car doesn't shake when you brake, that's all that's necessary. You put the pads on. You have to lubricate 
every single spot where metal touches metal with a high temperature grease made for the purpose. Last thing here is there's two sets of caliper slides on each side of the on the calipers. Those are extremely important that they're very free and properly lubricated. So you have to take that apart, clean that up. Last thing is you want to finish up by checking the rear brakes, making sure they're operating properly. You know, clean, lubed, adjusted, and all that sort of stuff. Hmm. Does that lube come with the brake pads? Or no, do it doesn't. Okay. But you, you can buy that at most quality parts stores. Just tell them you need a high-temperature caliper grease. The one we use is made by a company called Silu, S-I-L-O-U, I believe it is. It's worked real well for us. Good shop. Like, for instance, we charge $75 labor to do that service. So that kind of, whether you want to fool with it or not. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. I understand people want to do work to sell, and if you really like doing it, that's a great thing. If you really don't, if you think you're going to save money, most time if you're going to do it right, you're not going to save any money. We get a whole lot of them in where somebody stripped a bolt out and they're coming in on a wrecker or, you know, they push the pistons back in and now the ABS light's on. And, you know, it's, it's just one of those deals. If you want to follow the book and do everything exactly right, yeah, you can do it. And it's just how much your time is worth. All right. Well, so I'll be easy to take y'all. <laughs> okay, Mike. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you, man. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, we have got to take a quick little break, but Mark, Mike, Jim, you guys hold on. You'll be straight up after this break. Hey, Clint, what's that? Take a look. It's my bucket list of things to do before the world ends. Okay. According to the Mayan calendar, the world goes kaput on December 21st, 2012. I got lots to do, neighbor. Uh, bog snorkeling? Punch a whale? Compete in the World Toe Wrestling Championship? I see Meet Julia Roberts is scratched off. Yeah. Got her autograph, too. Really? Well, it's on the restraining order. Hey, shouldn't repair my car be on the list? What? Your, your brakes, they're constantly squealing. It shimmies and shakes and leaking oil all over I the think I can make it to December. Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. Hey, um, isn't this one here illegal? Not in Tijuana, my friend. Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O. AUTO.com. Today's show is a replay of a classic show from October 16th, 2004. Hot out of the top secret Agco Auto Vault. Well, you can't call in. You can always reach me at AgcoAuto.com. Hit the contact button. Send me an email. I hope you really enjoy today's show. Happy said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, it's the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Harvey Wilson. Hey, if you have an automotive problem, question, or comment, you just give us a call. Transmission problem? Oh, Harvey there might know something about it. You might want to turn your mic on there, buddy. So we'll take hear you. a stab, man. <laughs> you know, I turn the recorder on, but I forget to turn my mic on. There you go. Well, at least, least you half right, huh? Mm-hmm. Let's go to Mark's been patiently holding. Good morning, Mark. Hey, how are y'all? Doing great, sir. I got a question. I know you've been talking about uh, brakes. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And my '92 Accord has about 108,000. Yes, sir. I had a brake change at about 50 or 55. Uh huh. No problems with the rotors mm-hmm. at that time. At least that I was told. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had them done at the uh, the dealer. Mm-hmm. Um, genuine hind the parts. Mm-hmm. And now they're due again, and they say the rotors are pretty much toast. Well, that can happen. Rotors do wear out in time. How many miles did you say you had? 108. Yeah, rotors do. That's not unreasonable. Uh, Well, it's not unheard of. Let me put it that way. It depends really on the way you drive and everything. 
Some vehicles are much, much worse with rotors. For instance, like the new Ford Explorers. Man, they tend to eat rotors. Almost every brake job, you end up putting a set of rotors on them. Hondas, normally not too tough on rotors. But again, if you get a few heavy stops in there, you know, a lot of in-town driving, you can end up eating a set of rotors up. Yeah. You know, even though they're not warped per se, the face of them can wear. You might want to get a second opinion on it if you don't, if you think they're trying to say you something but well i think they're bad because uh, i mean uh, i had somebody actually i had my father take them uh-huh and uh he looked at them and it's like pads were not worn evenly okay the now pads, if you, yeah if your pads are not wearing evenly that's not going to be a rotor problem that's going to be a caliper problem probably the slides have not been serviced in it right and you got a stuck slide generally they'll wear more to one side or the other or one side of the pad will wear more than the other side that is almost always going to be related back to a caliper issue Everybody thinks they know how to do a brake job, and what they do is they go in and slap a set of pads on it, and da-da-da-da-da. You know, proper brake service, I mean, you're supposed to take all those caliper slides apart. You're supposed to lubricate it, put all the boots back on. It's a lot more complicated than most people give it credit for, and that's where most problems come in. You know, slides were lubed up real well when it left Honda, and that lasted probably 60, 70, 80,000 miles. So even if you didn't do it at the first brake service, it's going to still kind of work for a while. Second brake service around, you end up with a lot of problems. Uh, it should yeah. have been done at the first service. But that's one of the most underdone services. Probably 80 or 90% of the real weird problems we get in at AGCO for brake stuff goes back to the caliper slides never being serviced or serviced improperly. It's just one of those things people don't know about, and uh, they just don't do it right. Even professional shops don't do it. Yeah, because, I mean, it just didn't make sense to me that, you know, having it done mm-hmm. at the proper interval. This kind of thing should happen. It's yeah, well, told us about you know four hundred dollars. Yeah, and again, just you need to check those caliper slides because what will happen if you got a stuck slide? You only got one piston in that caliper, and you have two pads, so that caliper has to slide over to apply the other pad, and then when you release the brakes, it has to slide back, and it has to do that very, very, very freely. By the time you get to hundred thousand miles, if they weren't serviced at fifty, well, they're dried out, probably yeah. rusted up. And that's going to start giving you a lot of weird problems with wear on your pads. It can also cause the rotors to wear out, uh, especially on one side, because only one brake pad is doing most of the stomping, you see. Yeah, well, but, uh, both, both of the rotors are, are toast. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, they need, they need to get in there. Uh, you either need to find somebody who's going to do a little bit better diagnosis on it. That's the big issue between going to a guy who does brakes and going to a, a brake specialist. They don't always look deep enough. You know, They just kind of treat the symptoms. They slap a set of rotors, slap pads on there, and give it to you, and in six months, it's starting to do the same thing again yeah. because it didn't diagnose the original problem. Well, unlike your former caller, I don't, I'm not a do-it-myself, so <laughs> I go. might have to come see you. Well, give me a call Monday morning. I'll be glad to take care of that. Thank you, Mark. All right, Mark. Thank you, Bye-bye. man. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would certainly love to have you. And let's see. We've got, I think, Mike has been holding. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Yes, sir. I got a question about a key. Okay. I have a 2000 F150. Uh-huh. And I have one key and the key has a chip in it. Yes sir. That keeps starter from disabling. Yes sir. Anyway, is there any way to disable that feature and just get a regular key made? Not very easily. No, it, that goes in through the body computer and the PCM and all that. You know, see the, the thing is Mike, if if that was easy to disable, a thief could go in and disable it and it wouldn't be effective. Right. So they've got to build it integral to the whole system to make it very difficult to disable. If not, it wouldn't be effective. Right. So and I'm not going to say it can't be done because it could be, but it would cost a whole lot more than, than fixing the problem. 
<laughs> yeah. With, <laughs> with, with one key to get an extra one made, it's over $100. And I know with two keys, for some reason, it's a little easier. It's a little cheaper. Yeah, what you got to do. See, that system can actually memorize a whole lot of different keys. But if you don't have all the keys there when you're programming it, you can actually end up locking another key out. So it can actually, if I'm, I'm going by memory, but I believe that thing can remember about 75 different keys. Wow. Because you know, they use those like in fleets and stuff where different people have keys for different purposes and all. And you have to go in and program the key to the computer. If you got both keys, you know, you can program them together and it just it just makes it a little easier. But it's actually a nice feature. I mean, it does keep you from stealing your vehicle. And to answer the question, yes, it could be disabled, but I mean, you'd have to go into the computer. You may even have to replace the computer. You certainly have to reprogram the computer at least because what it does, the the actual, what they call the theft deterrent modules in the dash, what they call the instrument panel cluster. And when you turn the key, it sends a signal to that. That sends a signal back to what they call the PCM, which is the power control module, to enable the injectors and enable the starter. And then it goes back, sends an acknowledgement back. And there's a lot of wiring and a lot of hardware and a lot of software doing all that. So, And you know, if you go in and just disconnect one piece of it, you're just going to end up with it not working at all. Right. So, well, all right. Oh. Hey, I did <laughs> Brave new world, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. All right, Mike. Bye-bye. All right, 499 is name is the number. number. There you go. The there name is go. Automotive Hour. <laughs> I'm Lewis Aldezan with Harvey Wilson. If you do not get a chance to get your question answered, you can log on to the Internet. Type in www.agcoauto.com. That's agcoauto.com. Then what do you do? Click on contact, a bunch of names will come up, click on whomever you want to ask your question to, and that'll bring up an email page. Send it to us, and we'll get you an answer. Of course, while you're in there, you might want to pop over to vehicle questions. There are several hundred of those in there that have already been answered, and you may just find the answer right there. Also, take a look around at the detailed topics, whole lot of information on a specific topic. I think you'll really like it. Find a bunch of good information. It might help you out a whole lot. There you go. And we're going back to our phone lines with Bill. Good morning, Bill. Morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. 98 Chevrolet S10 truck. Okay. I just bought it several months ago, and I'm just got a curious question. You know, when we turn the key, the lights on the dashboard go on from check engine, which is actually service engine soon. Mm-hmm. Got, there's other lights, about like the ABS and low fuel. Yes, sir. I've also got another light that says check gauges. Yes, sir. Any idea what that is? Yes, sir. That is a light that whenever one of the gauges reads out of range, it's going to come on to alert you to that condition. For instance, if the oil pressure was to drop below a certain point, or if the temperature gauge was to go above a certain point, or even on some of them, if the gas gauge goes below a certain point, it's going to flash at you because people have a habit of driving along ignoring the gauges. And when one of the gauges is way out of range, it just flashes and says, check your gauges, and you got to look down at your gauge and see which one's out of range. Okay. The owner manual does not clearly explain it. So yeah, it's a good feature. What it does, it gives you the advantage of a light and advantage of a gauge both. And gauges are wonderful because they tell you what's actually wrong, whereas a light doesn't. But a light's also good because it gets your attention. You know, when a light starts flashing, right. So what this does, it flashes to get your attention, then you look down at the gauge and see which one's wrong. It's really a pretty nice feature. It, does it ever become a problem for anybody? I've never seen it before. No, well, you've just never had anything go wrong. You I mean, I've never seen it on any other vehicles. It's on several vehicles. General Motors has been using that for since about 95 on selected vehicles. It's not on all of them. I think the new, all the new Chevy pickups have it. In fact, the new Chevy pickups don't have individual lights. They've got like a single little LED screen that can display about 20 different messages, and that is one of the messages. 
Okay. You know, the little side screen that when you put your parking brakes on, it'll come on and say parking brakes yep. or right. all that kind of stuff. Yep. That message is in that screen as well. If one of the gauges goes out of range, it'll come on and say check gauges. Oh. All right. All righty. Okay, Bill. All right, and let's see. We've got a pile of people holding here. We've got Shane online. Good morning, Shane. Hey, guys. How's it going today? Doing wonderful. Good. I've got a transmission question. I've got a 98 Mitsubishi Eclipse, okay. uh, five-speed manual. When I'm on the highway, and it's most notable on the highway, when I walk, you know, I'm doing like 60 or 65, let off the gas, and I hear like a noise, like a gearing noise from the transmission, and then when I push, you know, push back on the gas to maintain the speed, I hear like the, it's like a gear, I'm going to say gearing noise, it's like maybe one of the gears are loose. I brought it to the dealership, and I thought the guy said that one of my synchronizers or synchronizers may be going bad. I'll tell you what, Shane, if you could hold on for just one second, we've got to take a real quick break. Okay. Hey, we'll be right back. Shane and Ed, you guys hang on. You'll be straight up after the break. Okay, look, you've been at the Red Box for 10 minutes, and you've got about 30 movies. Yeah, you roll in here with that car with the brakes screeching and the bald tires, and then you ask to cut in line because you're in a hurry. Look, it is 2012, and according to the Mayan calendar, the world ends on December 21st. So, I'm trying to watch all the movies I can before then. So no car repairs either, right? Who's got time for that? Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. So, no car maintenance? All movies till December 21st? Yep. I'm stocking up on all the classics, too. Gone with the Wind, Citizen Kane, Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Squeakquel. <laughs> I, I knew he was crazy. Yep. Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Today's show is a replay of a classic show from October 16th, 2004. I hope you really enjoy it. Hey, welcome back. You just joined us. This is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Harvey Wilson. Hey, if you have an automotive problem, question, or comment, you just give us a call. And just before the break, we were talking to Shane. I'm sorry, Shane. Thanks for holding. Okay. You said when you give it gas, you got that grinding gear noise when you let off. You also well, get the noise? Right, and I brought it to the dealership, and I thought I heard it say that the synchronizers are maybe going bad. The standard transmission? Yeah. Okay. Harvey? Uh, you don't get that in any other gear? I mean, it's noticeable, like, in lower gears, too, but it's it's most noticeable when I'm on the interstate. Yeah. Um, uh, a noise like that is more likely a bearing-type noise on something that's loaded, like the differential. Differential, circuit. I'd say, yeah. yeah. Which is all kind of part of the same It's all thing. in the same case, yeah. So when you do one, you're going to be doing the other. But, you know, synchro doesn't sound like yes. an accurate diagnosis a, a to me. A synchronizer is going to come into play when you shift gears. When you're actually moving from one gear to another, it's a little ring that actually speeds the gear up to the speed so that the gears can mesh. Once you're in gear, the synchronizer is doing basically absolutely nothing but sitting there. Yeah. Okay. But if you went in for the noise, yeah. whether whatever it be, you'll probably be changing the synchros anyway. Yeah, you don't want to have to go back into They're inexpensive by comparison to a transmission. Right. And you don't want to have to be going back into it for that. Is that something I need to worry about in the in the future, or is it just going to... Bearing noise, if it's uh, if, if you're going to fix the one you have, the sooner you fix it, the cheaper it's going to be. Right. If you're just going to drive it till it breaks and then replace it with another unit, whether it be used or rebuilt or whatever, then you can do that. 
But if well, you want to fix not, one, I'd rather get it fixed. You know, rather than just let me leave you stranded or you know, yeah. my transmission. Well, out. you know what? Yeah. A, what a noise is a bearing is going bad. Bearing is riding on a shaft. When that bearing starts to seize up, it's going to tear the shaft up. It's going to tear the bearing up. It's likely to tear the housing up. So your cost is going to go up exponentially uh, as it gets worse. Is that inside the transmission? Yes, or? yes. You'd have to remove the, case, remove yeah. the transmission and, and go inside of it to repair any of it. Okay. Okay. All right, guys. I appreciate you up on that. All right. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Right, four nine 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 five two six. The number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd certainly love to have you. And we've got Ed's been patiently holding. Good morning, Ed. Hey. Good morning. How you doing? Doing great, sir. Yeah. Enjoy your show. I'm not much of a mechanic, well, but uh, y'all make it uh, fun and interesting. Okay. So. Thank you. I actually called about three or four weeks ago on a automatic transmission, a '98 Accord that was slipping. I could be driving down the highway, and suddenly it just completely loses. Every, it just, I, I lose the transmission. I mean, it's, it, it mm-hmm. just, you know what I'm talking it go, about. Like it goes to neutral? It goes to Starts neutral. Slipping, you yeah. had mentioned it could be on a callback thing and call Honda, but we only had about 10 seconds. So I was mm-hmm. just trying to get some more ideas about sure. that. It, and then the other times, it runs perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Honda does have a major recall on a lot of units. I'm not sure 98 is in that category, but, you know, that's why I would check first. Yeah, See if it's they, under they, the, they'll fix it for free. Yeah, they, right, they, I will check that. What other ideas come to mind on something like that? If it's going to neutral, the most common thing on a Honda is that the filter is plugging up. What does it take to get the car going again? You just kind of pull over and... Turn the key off? No. You don't have no, to turn it off? No, you just kind of pull over there and it'll kind of like slip back in and it'll run perfectly. Yeah. That's no problem, maybe. I did buy, I bought it used. And I did notice when I first bought it, there was the slightest hesitation in drive, the slightest. But it was a good price, and it's you know I, I don't regret anything that would happen. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it just all of a sudden it'll just go into neutral. Yeah, I'd I'd have to hook up a gauge and see exactly what was going on pressure wise. And on a '98, you've got OBD2, so you can plug into the computer and drive and watch everything electrical. How far do you have to drive it before that condition occurs? Well, you know what? Recently, it, I mean, it's been running kind of uh, regular. I haven't had a lot of problems here recently, but it just—it has no rhyme or reason to it. Yeah. See, that's not a common failure. That's there's, that's not a pattern failure at all on a Honda. So I don't know what's going on there unless somebody else has worked on the unit. Right. So I just need to bring it in. Yeah. You got your you got your pattern failure or what would normally fail on a Honda. See, they're bad about going to a neutral condition, but you have to turn the key off. And let the debris fall out of the filter in the transmission and then start it back up and it'll go. What you're describing... Sounds more like an electrical issue. Yeah, I haven't experienced that. But when you have a pattern failure, you know what to look for. You know what's causing it. Right. If somebody's worked on it, then you've got all your pattern failures, plus you add about... You double that. 10,000 other <laughs> possibilities. Uh, you know, what it, can it, happen? It could be, be a connection that's loose somewhere. It could be a ground wire okay. that's not connected right. And what's happening is that the computer is not activating a solenoid or something at certain I times. See. When you're pulling off, you put it in part, you're kind of resetting everything. You're giving it different I signals, see. and maybe it comes and starts working again. The thing, what I think Harvey's saying, you know, he can get it in. He can check for common stuff. I he will. can shake all the wires, check and see if there's anything obvious. 
if you can't duplicate it, it's going to be very difficult to find. It may be something you got to continue to drive until it gets a little more regular. But you can certainly uncover any – you may be able to shake okay. wires and see right. this, this does this. So it's worth bringing in and getting it serviced because it needs that anyway. You know, uh, it does. It's not burdened with great maintenance. On my <laughs> part, so yeah. I will. I will bring it in. So that's Certainly not going to cost any. I mean, not going to hurt anything to do that. And you may very well come up with your problem. Thanks a lot. All right. Appreciate Thank you, Ed. Bye bye. All right. Four nine 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 five two six is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd sure love to have you. And we've got Emily on the line. Good morning, Emily. Good morning. Yes, ma'am. I have a 2003 Toyota Camry, yes, ma'am. and no problems at all with it. My air conditioning was working just fine. Went uh-huh. to uh, put the AC on yesterday afternoon on the way home, uh-huh. and I didn't think it was cooling, and then I noticed that the uh, AC button little indicator light blinking. was blinking. Yes, ma'am. And I noticed in my manual it said, uh, you know, there was a malfunction bringing it into the center. I'm uh, just really wondering whether this could be like just a little computer glitch or a fuse it's not a glitch it's probably not a fuse most of the time you've got a belt that's slipping what the computer does on this particular car it's watching the speed of that pulley and it's comparing it to the speed of the engine and if it notices a difference in those two speeds it knows that it's slipping and if it continues to slip it'll burn the compressor up so what it does is it shuts the system down and the light starts blinking to tell you that's the most common thing but not the only thing mm-hmm. for instance it could be low on freon and it'll do the same thing we can check that for you. Any good automotive shop can check that for you. When that light is blinking, there's a code that's stored in memory. We just plug in the computer, and it'll go in there, and it'll tell you what that code indicates, and you just have to search down and see. Did it happen? Anything happen to the car prior to it start doing it? Nothing at all. Didn't run through water or anything like that? Nothing. I, and I, I really, at noontime, uh, the air was working yeah, fine. Yeah, and then just and quit. Then, I would be very – I try to get that in, like, first thing Monday morning because it could be the belt broke. Mm. That car's got a separate belt for the air conditioner, so that's the only thing you'll lose. But if that belt broke and it gets tangled up in it, it can kick some of the other belts off, which can cause a big, big problem. Okay. So, yeah, I'd probably call first thing Monday morning and get that into somebody. It doesn't necessarily have to be a Toyota dealer. I mean, this No, no. No, we do that work at Agco, and, of course, lots of other good shops do. I didn't uh, know when you talk about the, hooking them up to the computer whether each uh, brand has to have its own Oh, computer. they do. They do. We, we've got the Toyota computer. We've got the Honda ah. computer. We've got the GM computer. We've got the Ford computer. Okay. <laughs> you know, all the brands we work on, we've got the computer for it. You know, and yeah, that's sort of a misnomer, and of course, the, the car maker would like you to bring it back to the dealer just because they're going to make money doing it, but most service centers have all, well, not most, but a lot of service centers have all the stuff. You just got to ask them. For instance, at Agco, we work on Honda, Toyota, GM, and Ford. Uh, that's the four models that we specialize in, and we've got everything there is to do anything on those cars. Well, thank you very much. All righty. Uh-huh. Thank you, ma'am. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, four nine 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 five two six is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. We got to take one more quick little break. Marvin and Charlie, hang on. Y'all be straight up after the break. Clint, what's with the huge crate? My one hundred twenty inch platinum three D TV. Splurging, huh? We're putting it all on the credit card, and since the Mayan calendar predicts the world ending December twenty first, I'll never have to pay it back. That would explain the giraffe and the elephant in your backyard. Have you thought about fixing your car, buddy? Your old one is in pretty bad shape. Leaking oil, screeching brakes. My car can make it to December. Plus, I need money to complete my set of life-size Star Wars action figures. Yoda is an expensive one, he is. Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. You know, if your car won't run, you can always ride your elephant. Great idea. 
Let me Google elephant license. Uh, okay, you know I was joking, right? Want to learn more about why AGCO is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. You may notice today's show is just a little bit different from our norm. That's because a classic replay from October 16th, 2004. I hope you really enjoy it. Just a good old boy. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, this is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Harvey Wilson. Hey, if you have an automotive problem, question, or comment, you just give us a call. I'll be glad to try to help you out. And that's exactly what Marvin did. Good morning, Marvin. Yeah, how you doing this morning? Doing great, sir. Uh, yeah, I got a 2001 Ford pickup truck with okay. the Triton 4.6 liter. Yes, sir. Got a little over 100,000 miles. Well, anyway, what I, one question I got is, how, what, how much trouble is it to set the lean on there? Because they they told me it was running too lean when I went to get my inspection, and they turned me down on that. Yes, sir. That's nothing you can set. When it's running too lean, it indicates there's a problem. The things that can cause that, we could talk for the next six days on. Well, look, let me tell you what I did. is I I used to wash my engine all the time. Every time I'd wash my truck Mm -hmm. at the car wash, I'd go ahead and wash my engine off. I never had no problem until I changed the spark plugs in it. So you know that these here, this block here has the spark plug that's down inside of it. And I guess I, after I changed it, I didn't get a good seal when I popped the wires back on there. So I got water down on my number eight cylinder, I believe. Man, I hope not. You put the wires on wrong, get water down those cylinders. Next time you take the plugs out, it's going to strip the heads. And the motor's got that. And I said, if you put the plug wires on wrong, uh-huh. you're going to get water down the cylinders. The plug is going to freeze to the head. And next time you go to take it out, you're going to strip the head. Okay. And you got to okay. pull the motor out of the truck to fix that. Cylinder, it just went down in that little hole. Yes, sir. That little hole is where the spark plug's at. You got a steel plug and an aluminum head, which is dissimilar metals. If you uh-huh. get water on it, it's going to freeze to the head. So, and you, you, so you don't wash your engine? How you, what you do about cleaning your engine? Well, there? don't worry about cleaning. That's the least of your problems. If you put them plug wires on wrong, you need to be sure them plugs can get back out of there. Because if you uh-huh. don't, next time well, you yeah, I done pull the plugs back out. I didn't have no problem with that. Okay. I, I, Plugs into what, the ones with them four points on the bottom of it or whatever? Oh, you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it's running lean, that's going to be the computer is seeing that it's getting too much air for the amount of fuel that it's running. And it's got an adjustment that can adjust up to a certain point. When it gets past that point, it can't adjust anymore. And that's okay. the condition you got. And normally that's going to be a vacuum leak or an oxygen sensor or an airflow meter or da 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 You okay. have to bring that to somebody uh, knows to do it. Give a check I, got, it. I got a little over 100,000 miles on the truck. Mm-hmm. And whenever I give it gas, like to hit in passing gear mm-hmm. or whatever, or maybe if I'm taking off and then I get down on a little bit, it mm-hmm. feels like the, the transmission or the not, it's not necessarily any, but it's transmission. feel like it's loading up, like yeah. it's wanting to sort of jerk or... That sounds like a misfire is going on. What will happen is that when the engine misfires, it will almost feel like the transmission slipping because you're giving it gas and it's not going. You can watch the tachometer on it, and if you watch it real careful, what you'll notice is that when you apply the gas, if the tachometer jumps up, in other words, the RPMs start reading a lot more, but the truck's not going any faster, then that usually indicates a transmission kind of a problem because that's slippage. But what happens if the RPMs don't really go up and you mash the gas and it just doesn't go, well, that's more likely I mean, engine running problems. It's kind of hard to tell the two apart a lot of times. Now, that coupled with the check engine light problem with the lean code, I would say pretty common you may have a mass airflow meter not reading correctly. The mass airflow meter tells the engine how much air is going in so it knows how much fuel to mix. 
if it doesn't get a right reading from the mass air flow meter, what it will do is that it will set a lean code or it can set a lean code because it thinks there's more air than there may actually be. That also if, when it starts to lean the engine out, when you give it the gas, it'll kind of stumble and fall. Now, also, you'd mention the aftermarket spark plugs and stuff you put in there. In my experience, I would probably go back and put Motocraft plugs in it just because the original plug that goes in the truck, a lot of times those aftermarket plugs with all the multiple electrodes and all can actually create other problems for you. If nothing else, at least they're throwing a variable in that you really don't need. So what I would do, get someone to check it, check that mass airflow meter, see if it's reading correctly. If it's not the mass airflow meter, then look for something like maybe a vacuum leak where it's getting more air than the amount of fuel that it has. Something along those lines is probably going to be the cause of the stumble and the miss and also the check engine light. Okay. All That'd right. be the first fuel right. filter. Okay. No. Yep. All right. Four nine 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 five two six is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive island, let's see if we got time here to catch at least one more. We got Charlie online. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. How y'all doing? Doing great, great, sir. Great. Uh, my wife's got a Chrysler Sebring. It's okay. Yes, sir. Forty-eight, forty-nine thousand uh, miles on. Uh huh. And the airbag light is just on. Okay. And I recall in a car I had for that there was some switch underneath the dash. Yeah, no, this is not going to be a switch on this. Uh, Charlie, what happens is that it's got a computer that's monitoring the airbag system. When the light's huh? on, it means there's a, a malfunction in the system where the airbag may not deploy if you have an accident. That could be just any number of things. One of the most common things on a Sebring is what they call the clock spring assembly. It's mm -hmm. a little coupling between the airbag and the steering column. Okay. Those go bad quite a bit, but I wouldn't go change that without checking it. Usually it's pretty simple on that. You just go in and hook into the airbag computer, and it's going to tell you what the code is. I've seen it be as simple as something's fell down inside one of the seatbelt buckles. Huh. Just, there's probably a hundred different things that can cause that light to come on. The important thing is to know that when that light's on, that airbag may not deploy if you have an accident. And I know you don't plan on having an accident, but nobody ever does. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. A face against a windshield is not a pretty sight. Those airbags no, are real no. nice to have. We can check that for you or just about anybody who has the, uh -huh. the scan tool can do it. Just go in, retrieve the code, find out what it is. The most common thing we see, like I said, is the clock spring assembly, though. Okay. And the cost, of course, vary with the problem. Yeah, it does. Generally, it's going to take between a half an hour and an hour to determine exactly what's wrong with it, mm -hmm. and that's going to be somewhere between $35 and $75. And then the clock spring assembly, I believe, is $100, $110, and probably another half hour labor to put it in. So it's not a major expense, but it's... Okay. All righty. As always, I appreciate your expertise. Okay, man. We appreciate <laughs> you calling. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Let's see. Do we have time to slip one more in? One more quick call. Let's see. We got Deborah online. Good morning, Deborah morning um i'm calling i have a 2004 jeep wrangler mm -hmm. it is a manual transmission it's uh -huh. only five months old mm -hmm. has nine thousand miles on it and i'm about to have to bring it into the shop for the third time oh goodness it has whenever it has been in neutral uh -huh. it starts revving up to 2500 plus rpm okay and the shift engine light is coming yeah, on they yeah. cannot get it to re-simulate and they cannot find any codes and in between each time when I brought it in, it's been about a month mm -hmm. uh, to a month and a half before it'll do it again, well, and then it'll do it a couple of times. And yeah, I would see, Deborah, if they don't have a flash update for the computer to address that problem. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to put you on hold here because we're just about out of time. But a lot of times there's actually an update to the computer to fix that problem. It's actually a computer glitch. I know several things like this. Find a dealer that's willing to work with you or call the hotline in your book, your owner's manual, and see if they can refer you to somebody who can fix 
fix that. I wouldn't be surprised but that that would be a, uh, some type of a glitch in the computer software. With it only occurring so infrequently, it's going to be rather difficult to find other than that. So you be sure you get it in writing, get all your receipts in writing when they tell you they can't fix it. That way, if something does happen later on when you're out of warranty, you may still be covered on it. And sorry I had to cut you short, but we're just totally out of time. Appreciate you listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend. I hope you really enjoyed this replay of our classic October 16th, 2004 program. When we played these programs in the past, we've had a lot of really positive comments. If you like it, why don't you let me know, and that way I can try to put more of them together. We've got quite a few of these that we've recorded over the years from 8 to 10 years ago. Kind of interesting hearing about things that were going on back then. A lot of the information is just as relevant today as it was then. If you don't like it, let me know that as well, and I'll try to do something different. I'd also like to send out a special thank you to all the folks who listen to us on the internet all over the world and if you listen on itunes how about giving us a written rating that really really makes our day whenever we get that and lets us know we're doing a good job for you and the more ratings we get the higher we'll go up in the rating so that way more folks can listen how about also letting a friend know about the automotive hour the more people we get listening the better it is i want to tell everybody how much i appreciate them listening and have a great weekend